So if you've got a Bible, I'd like to ask you to turn to Galatians chapter 3 and verse 1. And we've looked at these verses before. And the reason we're looking at them today is because one of my practices is I have some time with Holy Spirit where I want to be with him. I don't necessarily come with an agenda or a plan. I I just leave the time open to him to have a conversation and talk about what he wants to talk about and we just go on a journey. Often it's a journey of of journaling and writing. And and we were talking and, and, and I was just saying to him about the fact that um, in that moment when I was chatting, I was feeling a sense of I'm tired. Have anybody else ever felt tired <laughs> or even exhausted? And, and he said to me, that's because you don't understand Galatians chapter 3. <laughs> and I thought, but I've read Galatians chapter 3 and I, for one period of my life I was reading, reading the book of Galatians every day for three months. But when he says something, it's best not to argue and go back and say, okay, I don't really understand Galatians chapter 3 then. And there's something in here that is the key for a sustainable lifestyle of Holy Spirit presence, miracles and transformation. Because one of the questions I've asked, been asking probably for 10 years is, is about the whole topic of how does someone get transformed? How does someone mature? How does someone grow? Because it's an interesting question, because if you you go to rich parts of London, if you go to wealthy parts of London, if you go to what areas that they might typically call middle-class, upper-middle-class areas of London, you can find some really, really uh, well-lived-out behaviour. And you can go to middle class churches and middle class people seem to be able to fix and sort and modify their lives really easily. And uh, they sometimes find it easier just to grit their teeth and change. They seem to have cultural, social or resources that enable them to change. And sometimes you can be... they, they might have resources like they can read and comprehend. And they can modify and change. And then sometimes in areas that are poorer, people think, I don't know how to change, I can't change. Um, people will say things like, I don't, I'm not able to read, I'm not able to just discipline my life. My life is too chaotic and too... It's too all over the place. Things are too uncertain for me to be able to change. And then we can come to the conclusion that the gospel only really then works in middle class areas then. It only really works where people have social skills to be able to modify themselves. But that's not the truth. Just believe the gospel has the power to, to, to touch the greatest of elite to the greatest of of the broken. It has the transformationary power. And I believe that Galatians 3 offers to us the keys for both those who will be here and think, I've got loads of resources, I've got loads of capacity, I've got loads of self-discipline, I've got loads of ability to digest and to read and comprehend. And to those of us who feel, do you know what, my life is completely in chaos. And if you said to me, read this book, I wouldn't know where to start and I'd read it, I wouldn't even remember what I've read. 
and the gospel comes to all people. And it starts with this in, in chapter 3. Paul says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? I remember somebody coming up to me one day and saying, what do I do if the witch doctor puts a curse on me on a Tuesday? Don't you provide a meeting on the Friday to deliver me from the curse for the Tuesday? Never heard that before, but it was a real world view and a real fear and a real question for that person. But Paul is saying, somebody has bewitched you, Galatians. You are acting seriously strange. It's like you're in one of those theatre shows where the hypnotist is making you do things. We've seen those shows, don't know if they're real or not, but they're scary. Darren Brown, all that kind of stuff. He's saying, someone's done that to you. You're acting bizarrely. You're out of touch with reality. You're mentally drunk. Paul doesn't then go on to say, it was because on the Tuesday someone cursed you. He then doesn't go on to say, it's because someone with dark spiritual power said something over you. He says something else. Mm -hmm. He says something else has bewitched you. Something else has put a spell on you. Someone else has hypnotised you. Something else has made you think utterly irrationally. Someone else has put you in a haze, a daze, walking around, stumbling around like a zombie. And he says this. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Mm -hmm. In other words, he's saying, the meaning of Jesus' death was made so clear to you, it's like when I came to you, it's like I presented a picture of Christ and you saw Christ crucified for you. The book of Galatians is really these people who have started out on a foundation of it's Christ alone. It's Christ alone who pays my debt. It's Christ alone who dies my debt. It's Christ alone who dies for me and as me. It's Christ alone who takes my punishment. Now he's saying you're, you're hypnotised and bewitched because you're adding to Christ alone. You're saying it's Christ plus Jew Jewish rules and traditions. In their context, it would be Christ plus the ritual of circumcision. Christ plus don't eat this and only eat this. Christ plus keep special days and ceremonies and holy days. And he's saying, when you put, when you do the maths and say it's Christ plus anything, you are in that moment like someone has put a spell on you. And you go out of your right mind and you become, in that moment, bewitched, irrational, out of your mind, drunk, hypnotised, not who you're meant to be. See, the cross of Christ, the cross of Christ tells us how hopelessly lost we really were. And that's what he's saying, it was portrayed in front of you, you saw it clearly. It was as if I could have 
teleported you, as it were, to Calvary and I showed you and you saw a picture of Christ crucified and you received it with joy. And now you're bewitched and troubled and irrational and hazy and confused and hypnotised because now you're saying Christ isn't enough. It's Jesus plus something else. But Paul wants them to know how hopelessly lost they really were. You couldn't help yourself. That's what Christ being crucified in front of you is supposed to both birth you and cause you to live. You can't help yourself. See, that's why the wealthy and the rich and those with all the, maybe, abilities to modify themselves and self-discipline and resources for change and reading and the most broken and the poor are exactly the same. No one can help themselves. Doesn't matter if you've got all the cultural capital and capacity to understand all things, or you are completely broken in confusion. Nobody can save themselves. Nobody can help themselves. And Paul is saying the moment you believe the lie that you could save yourself and that you can change yourself, in that moment of deception, you have become bewitched. You have become confused. You have become irrational. You have received something of more danger than the most mighty witch on the earth could ever do. You have embraced legalism. The embracing of legalism is more terrifying and destructive than any dark power in the earth. So he's saying, why on earth, Galatians, why on earth would anybody here, why on earth, Jamie, would you add rules? The moment we add to the work of Christ, we spoil, in that sense, everything that we've come to enjoy in the work of Christ. The moment we distort the gifts of grace and make them into rules into having a cleansed conscience before God, we become irrational, confused and out of our minds. In other words, the moment we take the beauty of reading the Bible, encountering God in his word soaking in the richness of this incredible history book in its breadth and its beautiful capacity to speak by the Spirit into the moment, the moment we turn that into a rule to be right with God, we become confused. The moment we talk or think that like prayer is this beautiful opportunity to be face-to-face with God and talk, interact and discuss The moment we turn prayer into a rule-keeping thing in order to somehow be right with God, we are bewitched. The moment we take the opportunity to be radically generous with finances and resources and time and gifting and energy and believe the lie that in doing that we become right with God, we are irrational, confused and (coughs) hypnotised. 
The moment we go into the streets and have this opportunity to bring the message of reconciliation, the moment we believe the lie that going and loving Plumstead earns us favour and a right standing with God, we become bewitched and confused. Jesus plus anything spoils everything. Legalism will bind you. Legalism will constrict you. Legalism will imprison you. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's to say, you're a good, good father and I'm loved by you. Not, I'm not really sure if you love me and receive me and accept me and will lead me and guide me and protect me unless I feel I'm doing well in a number of areas that I create for myself. And often the rules that we create for ourselves are often the rules we most find easy to keep. We become judgmental of others who don't keep them. And so Paul wants to wake them up and bring them out of this hypnosis and this bewitching and this confusion. And so he says to them, right, let me ask you this one question. Are you listening, Galatians? Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. So he wants to break into legalism by reminding them of what actually happened when they were born again. He wants, to, he wants to break this spell of confusion by reminding them of truth and reality and bringing them back to reality. If we, if we were here chatting and we'd said, how did you come to know Jesus? How did you get saved? How were you born again? How did you become a believer? There'd be loads of stories. Someone would say... I was at a conference where my friend invited me and there was this opportunity to respond to Jesus and be born again and become a believer and become adopted and have an inheritance and know the Father. And I responded. Some of you would say, oh, I had a friend at work who would chat to me and they, they just seemed so alive and had life that I wanted. Some of you would say, no, I was listening to something. A friend lent me a CD or a tape or an MP3 and I was listening to it. Some of you would just say, do you know what? I just picked up the New Testament and I started reading. And it came alive and I got convicted and it was true and I realised. Some would say, I went on a journey and I got my questions answered and I explored. I went on Alpha and I asked lots of questions and explored it. However you got there, the reality is you did not get to becoming a believer Because you kept a set of rules. None of you will have this story. And if you have this story, there's an opportunity to respond, to come to him. None of you would come. A friend said, you can get saved by keeping these rules. Here's a list of rules. And when you've kept those rules, whether it's read the Bible in a year, or pray 10 hours a day, or knock on 150 doors, or... Or go to church. And when you've kept them for a year, then he'll save you. No one, I hope, has never heard that story. A guy came to me at the door with that story. 
He thought he could get right with God through knocking on doors. And he said, do you know he loves you? Do you have an assurance that he's for you? Do you know that you're a son? Do you know that you're adopted? Do you know? He says, I can't know. Well, you can know. You can know. It's the gift of the gospel to know. It's because he had a gospel, not good news, of legalism and works. And he turned around and said, you've got great faith. I've not got great faith. It's just this is what it is. I wasn't saved because I knocked on doors and did some stuff. I got saved because he broke into my heart. And did something. Yeah. It's like we, we could imagine him as like a surgeon. Father puts his gloves on. Friend at work. Speaking to you about Jesus. Holy Spirit. He's got something to work with now. Holy Spirit puts his gloves on. I'm going to operate on this one, Father. You so love the world and Jesus has paid everything. And they hear, oh, he loves you so much. It's all free. The blood of Christ has paid for everything. And Surgeon Holy Spirit comes. He says, oh, there's a dead heart here. Dead heart stone. Master Surgeon cuts it out. Puts it there. Let's put a heart of flesh in here. Oh, he's dead in his sins. And he, he's, he's, he's an enemy of God. I'm going to wake his heart up. Oh, let's operate on his, on his soul, on his mind. Let's operate... I'm going to wake him up. I'm going to cut. Maybe he's going to be question after question after question. He's going to ask, but I'm going to be stirring them. I'm going to be watering them. I'm going to cut. And there'll be a moment when, wow, that person is born again. That person is alive in God. That person has been gone from darkness to light, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the sun he loves. He was operated on. Mm. Whether it's through listening to a sermon online, whether it was through a friend who told something about Jesus, whether it's through lots of conversations or reading the New Testament, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But the one who's operating is Spirit of God. Mm. He stands outside the graves of men and women, like Jesus outside of Lazarus, and he shouts, Come out! come out and his voice is like effectual and it, it wakens somebody and that person's you're real mm. Jesus is real I'm loved by God doesn't have to be that voice <laughs> it can be <laughs> and that person waddles out unwrap them and so Paul is saying let me ask you this one question did you receive this spirit were you born again? Did you become a believer by lots of rules? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed. You, you received the gift of faith. You believed the message you heard. It was the Spirit of God who was working into that message, believing capacity. That's why you can talk to someone and they go, you are actually a mad person. <laughs> I thought that when my mum suddenly became a Christian after speaking to two Christians coming home and Holy Spirit filled the whole house. And she became a believer that night after being an atheist that evening. And I thought, madness. Madness. You can't go from atheist to believer in a moment. Spirit of God had done emergency surgery. He put his blue gloves on. And... I just began to ask questions. And then by May, I was listening to Yonggi Cho saying, 
If you want a blue bike, ask for a blue bike. If you want a red bike, ask for a red bike. And suddenly my eyes are open. Jesus, you're real! <laughs> it's true. He breathes life. We did not co-labor with him. We did not add any contribution. Then he comes to us a little bit later and says, How foolish can you be? After starting your new life in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own effort? If you couldn't save yourself at the beginning through your own effort and legalism and works and contribution, if you couldn't save yourself at the beginning, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own effort? The implication is it can't be done It's absolutely impossible. Any attempt to transform, mature and change yourself through your own effort and works and self-discipline or legalism is utterly fruitless. You do not begin the Christian life by a born-again moment of the Spirit and then grow in the Christian life through your own works and effort. You don't mature through drawing upon your own determination and willpower. So sometimes we we get confused and we say, oh, the essential mark of maturity is behaviour. We say, okay, the essential mark of maturity is behaviour. That's why we can sometimes look and say, oh, you go to where the rich are, the wealthy are, the middle class are, the ones with all the resources are, they're so mature in Christ. Because sometimes their behaviour looks more mature. The mark of maturity is not behaviour. The mark of maturity is how you got the good behaviour. Yes, come on. The mark of maturity is not having all your life sorted out. The mark of maturity is how did you get your life sorted out? Did you get there because you relied on yourself and your own willpower and determination and your own emotional resources and ability to modify yourself and change yourself through gritted teeth? Or did you get there through humble reliance Mm. upon the work of the Spirit? So if both the rich and the poor are utterly equal in terms of getting into the kingdom, the rich and the poor are utterly equal in terms of how spiritual maturity and Christ-likeness gets produced. Yes, Mm. come on. Because all transformation is based on the work of the Holy Spirit. So are you advancing in life through your own willpower or are you advancing in life through the strength that the Spirit provides? In other words, you read the description of love in Corinthians and you think, oh, love is like this and love is patient and love is kind and love overlooks an offence. Do you, when reading the Bible, when you're impacted by the voice of God that's kind and affirmative 
and gentle as he comes and says, Hey, you're not loving like that, are you? Do you take that voice and then try and perfect and change yourself by your own gritted teeth and determination saying, I'll never be impatient again. And you press it down until the pressure comes when you're hungry, tired, (coughs) thirsty. And then it all comes out because it wasn't real change at all. It was just you working really hard. (laughs) I can't hold it in anymore. I'm angry. (laughs) Or did you hear him say, ah, love, love overlooks. Love is patient. Love is kind. And just like you, when you were born again, you come to the Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, make that like, I want to be like you. I know you've not said that to accuse me or condemn me or make me feel guilty. You're changing me from glory to glory. And please, will you birth in me and shape in me that kind of loving response right from the core so Jesus says you can know your heart by your mouth and what you say and then you think oh Jesus change me from the inside right at the core mature me grow me shape me I'm not going to modify myself I'm not going to create new laws called if I don't get impatient for two weeks then I know you love me I know you love me right now Right now you love me. Even though I might be acting like a bit of a toddler, you love me. You love me. Now change me. Would you change me? You advance and grow and mature by faith. Yeah, yeah. You keep going the same way you began. All works of the Spirit, revelation that comes. Whether it's a revelation from a friend at work who talks to you about love whether it's a revelation because you're reading the Bible, whether it's a revelation that comes from a conference or a talk or an interaction with God, wherever that revelation comes from, it becomes transformation just like how you were born again through a work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And so we position ourselves in community, in relationship with one another so that we can grow and share strength. We love the Bible and we read the Bible and we devour the scriptures because we want to hear his voice and we want to hear and know his redemptive story. We worship because we just love to pour out oil and ointment because we delight in him and because he made it possible for us to be face to face with him. That's what Jesus paid for, that we would be face to face in relationship with him. It says all those things, all those means of grace are leading us and guiding us and directing us and keeping us on track. We're changed as we recognise that it's not through my own legalistic willpower that I please him. It's going to be through the humility of saying, I began by the Spirit, I'm going to grow by the Spirit, I'm going to mature by the Spirit, I'm going to be transformed by the Spirit, I'm going to overflow by the Spirit. I'm going to go from faith to faith, glory to glory by the Spirit. I'm going to mature by the Spirit. And as I hear his voice come and speak conviction and tender, tender 
adjustments and his voice comes to confirm and build up in love and I just hear him say, you hear him say, don't, 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 don't be like that. Hey, don't be like that. You're, you're, a, you're a child of the king. Hey, hey, what are you doing in the gutter? What are you doing in the gutter? You're, you're living in the palace. What are you doing down there? Hey, you come up here. Don't go, what are you, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing in the gutter? What was going on around your, 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 your browsing and your searching? What are you doing? Come up into the palace. And then that response is, yes, Holy Spirit. It's not, now I'm going to be legalistically trying to keep the rules in that area for six months, and I'll know maybe you'll be pleased. No, I'm going to carry on the same way that I was birthed. And next week, we'll finish this by looking at this and I ask you again does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law of course not it's because you believe the message you heard about Christ it's how we get in it's how we mature it's how we change the world it's, it's that simple I think Alan was praying that keep it simple <laughs> keep it simple it's this simple yeah, come on. That simple. It's how we get in the kingdom. It's through Christ crucified and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the person of the Holy Spirit. It's how we mature in every area of our lives as he gently leads, guides and directs us. It's how we change the world. It's that same Holy Spirit and that same transforming reality that yes, I can receive yeah. all the gifts. <laughs> yes, I can work mighty miracles. Yes, I can work mighty deliverance. Yes, I can lay my hands on the sick and they will recover. Yes, I will speak to blind eyes and they will be opened. Yes, deaf ears will hear. Yes, the dead will be raised. Yes, the leper will be cleansed. Not because I have got my life sorted and I'm so perfect, but because I understand that since I can do nothing, I need him for both getting in the kingdom, yeah. growing in the kingdom, yeah. and extending the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of talked about next week. So <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you to stand. I'm just going to yeah. pray for us. So let me just kindly say to this. If you, like me, needed to hear him speak to you about Galatians 3, he just says this to you. The root of your exhaustion in the Christian faith is your independence and your legalism. And so he says, stop trying to do by your own effort what can only be done by the Spirit and by believing and trusting and having faith. Stop it. Stop it. Stop walking around confused. Stop walking around bewitched. Stop acting so seriously strange. Your rule keeping adds nothing to the finished work of Christ. Wake up. Stop it. Come out of your hypnosis come out of your confusion, get in touch with reality. It is finished. Live in the good on it, 
walk in the Come good on. on it. Stop adding to the King of Glory saying, it is finished. Yes. Don't call Christ a liar. He said that to me in a cafe. Well, I didn't say that exactly. I just said that. But he said something. He said, your exhaustion is you don't understand Galatians 3. So we say, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We say, thank you for being with us. We will live in the good and the benefits of Christ crucified. We will not add a single thing to the complete, utter, sufficient work of you, Jesus, at Calvary. We say your blood paid for everything. Jesus, we have clean consciences. We just recognise there's nothing wrong with me before God. I am spotless, blameless. I am righteous. There is nothing wrong with me. I'm accepted, I am loved, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I have an inheritance. I call him Papa and he knows me and loves me. Because Jesus has done it all for me to come out of one kingdom and now I'm in this beautiful kingdom. And so we're going to explore it, we're going to grow in it, we're going to mature in it and we're going to change the world on the basis of the finished work of Jesus Christ. You were crucified for us you were crucified for the whole of this area. And we just want to get you everything you paid for, Jesus. We want to go and get you your full reward. We want to see families and households and communities and areas utterly transformed through what you've already done. And we're, we choose to believe that when we lay our hands on the sick, they will recover. When we lay our hands on blind eyes, they will see. And the deaf will hear. We believe what you have done on our behalf. Thank you, God. Amen.